Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bobby's Bites. So this week's Parsha is Parsha's B'Shalach. When the Jews were sent out of Egypt, when they finally had enough of us, they're like, all right, guys, get out of here. So as they left, right, they approached the, the Red Sea, and we know that the famous miracle happened, the splitting of the Red Sea. And as the Jews cross, um, Pharaoh has a change of heart, and he chases them through, and he sees... The Jews are crossing the, the, the Red Sea. So he also goes for it as well. And as he goes for it, the last of the Jews exit the sea. And at this point, all of the Egyptians are in the sea, are walking in it with the Jews. And God ceases the miracle and the sea becomes as it was. So they all drown in the sea. And what they did before going out to chase the Jews is they stocked up on all the gold and all the silvers and the rubies and the gems and everything. So they had all their wealth with them. And miraculously, all the, all the spoils, all the, the, the valuables of these Egyptians floated and were washed up on shore at the side of the Jews. And so the Jews, they picked, they started collecting all the Jews, all, all the wealth of the, uh, of the Egyptians that were washed up on the shore. Until the point where Moses, Moses forced them, I says, against their will, right, to move on. All right, guys, enough. Stop taking the possessions. And so the question is asked, why are we, why are the Jews collecting the, the bounty, collecting these spoils from the Egyptians, right? They when they were just exposed to the most miraculous, divine, inspiring, transcendental experience, which was was the splitting of the sea. We know that God smit the Egyptians with one finger, right? This is the whole discussion in the Haggadah. That God smit the Egyptians with one finger of the the, the proverbial hand of God, right? Whereas at the sea, the, the... God's whole hand was expressed. So that's five fingers. And the discussion is how many miracles were expressed at the splitting of the sea um, as defined by each finger, right? What that means. But so the significance of, of, the, uh, of the splitting of the sea was not just that the sea was split, split, but it was wholly a spiritual divine experience, a, a, manis- a manifestation of divinity where God was expressed Right, and this was, you know, wow. Right, so if you can imagine, like how insane and intense and awe-inspiring the ten plagues were, even more so, how how incredibly divine and awe-inspiring the experience of splitting of the of the sea was. And so then the question is, right? So they come to the other side. They they just saw godliness manifest. Right, God's hand expressed, showing in immense miracles, and here they are collecting the material objects from the ground, gold, silvers, rubies, right? You'd think it's like, what are you doing? Like you just saw divinity. You just saw godliness manifest, expressed. And here you are concerned with with material objects to the extent where Moshe has to force you guys get up we have to go get the Torah right it's like that doesn't make sense well it might make a little bit more sense because the Jews had a commandment by God that to clear out 
Egypt, from all its possessions. So when they, they came from the, the spinning of the sea, and they saw that Egypt actually wasn't cleared out. They still had valuables. They still had things to take, so they didn't fulfill their commandment. So they, they got down to the hands and knees, and they were getting every last drop to fulfill the commandment. And <clears throat> we might think, like, okay, this is kind of silly, right? But it's, it's really not. And I think there's something telling about it, which is, like, they were just given this in, in, incredible experience and here they have to do something right it, they, they not that they have to do something but in a way right there there's something that that needs to be that needs to be done you you want to express your experience you want to put pen to paper you want to make it real and so the, the, the only thing that they have is this commandment from god to to take the possessions of, of the egyptians to clear them out so they did it wholly. To what to what extent? Till till when Moshe told them to leave against their will. What was that? What does that mean? Meaning they they were completely and entirely devoted to this task, to this specific action of clearing out the Egyptians, of clearing out Mitzrayim from everything that is valuable, and then going, right? Because it didn't make sense that they would just go to collect all these objects when when they were going into the desert none of these things were really of any value and significance there when god was feeding them changing their clothes etc and they were already super rich and then to the extent that also they believed that they were they were getting redeemed to the end of time like eternally so money really had no value but here we learn something more right this is symbolic of of the sparks of exile so within exile, within this material world, everything has a spark of divinity within us, within it, and within us. And the Jews were tasked by God to take those sparks out, to, to, to make sure that there's no spark of holiness left in Egypt, that they should take it all with them and uplift them. And so here, at, that, at this moment, once they've crossed the sea, about to reach redemption and getting the Torah, they're busying themselves 100% with taking out as many sparks as possible till Moshe says, no more. Don't take any more sparks. And it's against their will. And what we learn from this is that from that experience, there was no will of their own. They were complete. Not just there was no will of their own. They were. They were. They were completely devoted to their to this task. Such that moving to another task, it was against their will. Because here I am. I'm doing God's work. I'm. I'm taking the sparks out of Egypt. And so when Moshe says enough, right? They want to stay there because this is where the mitzvah is. But we learn a lesson here that. There's a time and place for everything. And when you, do, when, you, when you do your activity of taking out the sparks, you're completely involved in taking out the sparks. And when it's time to do something else, it's time to do something else. Right? When, like when Shabbos comes in, it's time to be involved in Shabbos. You have to be involved in Shabbos. You can't think about work. You can't think about... about mundane things you can't speak about mundane things you can't do mundane things you're you're engrossed and enveloped in 
the act of, do, of, of keeping Shabbat. But then Shabbat comes out and now you're involved in something else. You have to be involved in something else. You have to be involved in the mundane. You can't keep Shabbat then because it's not Shabbat then. It's not the time and place. And so this then becomes a, a, a lesson, really, of how we have to serve Hashem, of how we have to fulfill our obligation, which is not just doing something for the sake of doing it, but completely being enveloped in it, that making it your will. And this is exceptionally important, right? Where we know in Tanya that there's a level of just doing something, right? And that that is not for nothing, right? It 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 goes to a level, but then once you incorporate the emotive experience, the, 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 the feeling of love and awe of Hashem, right? The intent, right, and the action. When 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 the whole of you is united with the act that you're doing, nothing else exists. That's where the gold and the silver lie. That's when you're lifting up the sparks fully. You're completely uplifting them because it's you, your soul, the action, and there's nothing else. You're not thinking about tomorrow. You're not thinking about yesterday. You're not thinking about the next act, which in this case, they knew they were going to, they were going to get the Torah. They knew they were, going to, they were going to be redeemed. But here, they had a mitzvah. They had something that they could do right now and they were doing it right now. Yes, they had to go to the mitzvah, and they were excited at the, the Torah, and they were excited about it, but that was to come. And Moshe said, guys, stop, enough with this particular aspect of your service, of lifting up the spark, let's go get the Torah. And then, that was against their will, because they were totally involved. Their will was here, doing this. It, was, it wasn't on the next thing. And this is a lesson to us, that when we, when we do something, we have to do it, 100%. The whole of us. To the, I read this book. It's called Zen and the Art of Archery. And it's about this guy who goes to learn how to essentially be an archer. And one of the things the teacher was telling him was like, when you walk to come to, this pro, to, to, to the lesson, to, to do archery, right? You walk like nothing else exists. From the time you leave your house, to the time you get to, to the... To, to your station, there's nothing other than you and you going to do the archery. Then there's nothing but you lifting up the bow. Then there's nothing but you pulling the bow back. Then there's nothing but you firing the bow and so on. To, so the point of it is, is that in each task, our will is not on the, on the thing to, to come or on the thing past, but our will is united with our action in the present. Our will is united with us and God's will of, of us doing what, what we need to do right now. And right now, we are in the time before the coming of Mashiach, before Moshe Rabbeinu is going to come and tell us, all right, guys, enough with the sparks. Let's go to the ultimate redemption. So right now, we are involved in bringing and in, in taking out all of the gold and silver of Egypt. This is our job right now, to uplift the sparks, to uplift any potential amount of divinity and holiness that's hidden within the material world, and, and to enliven 
and inspire the Jews around us who have the greatest sparks of all so that we will ultimately merit the coming of Mashiach by completely taking out all the sparks in this gullus, in this, in this exile of Egypt, in this world. And this is what we're involved in. Yes, Mashiach is going to come. That we know. And we shouldn't be embittered about things we didn't do, couldn't do, didn't, didn't have time to do. As we see, the Jews, they, they didn't have, they didn't get all the sparks. You're right, but there came a time, there came a moment where they had the opportunity to redeem themselves and take out those sparks that they didn't yet see or didn't yet or weren't yet able to, to take and, and raise up. So here too, we need to be focused in what we can do now in the present, right now here, that this is our will. Our will is associated with exactly who we are and what we're doing and the opportunities associated with us that we can uplift these sparks. And then, when it comes a time when the Moshe Rabbeinu says, you now have a new task, you now have a new, have a new mission, now your mission changes. It's against your will because your will was in the present moment. But now you have to change, you have to change gears and move on and you have to let go of the things that you were doing previously. You have to let go of, uh, of the mundane and move to Shabbat. Or you have to let go of the Shabbat and move to the mundane and so forth. But fundamentally, when, wherever you are, there you are. Wherever you find yourself, that's exactly where you need to be. And your will, your motivation, your thinking, your intention, your thoughts, your actions, everything has to be exactly that. And we think, we have this mistake currently in today's society, that multitasking is more productive. It's actually not. We see on a neurological level that scattered attention is less, or I should say rather, that, that focused attention produces more neural connections and sustain, sustained focused attention produces neural connections and new neural connections that last, that's, that's a thought, that's a, that's, that, that, is a, that is a learning and knowledge, or, and so on, versus when your attention is scattered, when you're doing this and then you're doing that, that you're not building anything. You might, be, you're, you might be kind of reinforcing some connections, but you're not building new ones. You're not growing. You're not learning. You're just doing something. You're doing this and you're doing that, but it's not staying with you. You're not uplifting anything. And we see this on a neural level that sustained attention, focused attention, when you're, when you're doing a specific task and you're 100% there, you're not focusing on anything, that's where the learning happens. That's where the growth happens. That's where you uplift the sparks. But when your attention is scattered, you're over here, you're over there, nothing happens, nothing changes. And in, in fact, it actually produces the opposite effect. So we have this, this idea that we want to be more productive. We want to be, we want to be doing more as much as possible and by, by multitasking. But really what we're, do, what we're ending up doing is losing out. We're missing the opportunities associated to us. And that's also true with respect to vision. You don't see the things that are in front of you because you're focused on doing everything else. But when you have one task and your task is uplifting the sparks, all you see is the sparks around you. You don't see anything else. And so that's what you're associated with. But when you have multiple goals and you have multiple tasks, then you, then you don't see anything because you have so much that you're looking for, you see nothing and ultimately you're doing, you're doing everything half-baked, so to speak.
right? There's the old adage that the, the jack of all trades, ace of none, meaning you could be kind of decent at doing a lot of things, but you won't be a pro at one thing. You'll never be a pro at one thing because you, your, your attention and your will, your, your motivation, your, your whole being is given to this. Your vitality is given to that, to this, this, right? But it's just, it's, it's not producing enough in order for you to really grow, in order for, for something to, to cause a real change because you're half here, half there. But what we learned from the Jews is they were 100% there. They were, this is what they were doing. They have to be forced out of doing that. And this is the same thing with us, that we have to, that we have to be 100% where we are. And, of, and kind of like a supporting of this point, there's a poet that I really like, Charles Bukowski, and there's one poet that, poem that he really, it's not really a poem, but it's kind of like a statement, and I love it. And it was, so it's entitled, Go All the Way. And I'll leave out some parts, and it goes, Go all the way. If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. If you're going to try, go all the way. And he goes on, he says, it could mean losing this and losing that and sleeping on a park bench and it could be difficult. And he says, all the, it could mean derision, mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance and of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it despite rejection and the worst odds. And it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like it. You'll be alone with Hashem, and the nights will flame with fire. Do it. Do it. Do it. All the way. You'll ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is. And I think, you know, that's really true. When you're completely and wholly involved, and you give yourself to to something, it doesn't matter how hard it is, and... There is nothing like being completely immersed in doing something and trying your hardest against all odds. As the famous quote of the 12th second that, that says, right? Somebody who says they tried and didn't succeed, don't believe them. Somebody who said they didn't try and succeeded, don't believe them. But somebody who says they tried and they succeeded, this person you should believe. So with that being said, l'chaim l'chaim, that we should do everything with our whole might and our whole will and everything that we have and we give ourselves to our avoda, to serving Hashem, to bring Mashiach from Herba Menu Mamish.